0: Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, we continue through our special episodes of a KKMS radio show that we co-hosted with Dr. Nathan Olson. I pray that you would sit back and enjoy.
1: Never heard anything quite like it. Really? Engaging. That's pretty cool. Encouraging. Surely I say unto you dudes, I do not wish to fight. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world?
2: Pursuing the truth and helping you live out a life in Christ. It's Lee Michaels Live. He's a righteous dude. On AM 980, The Mission.
1: Good afternoon, I'm Dr. Nathan Olson, host of the 8.30 Sunday morning broadcast, God's Word for Today, filling in for Lee Michaels on the Lee Michaels Live show. And joining me today are the hosts from the Bean Lutheran podcast from beinglutheran.com, Pastors Brian Rickey, Jason Goodham, and Brett Bow. It's good to have you guys today.
0: It's good to be here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Today we are uh, we're in a we're in a two hour segment here talking about the solos of the Reformation and being Lutheran and and why some of these things are significant to us and we're moving into number four on Christ alone. Uh, Charles Spurgeon had a, a famous lecture about how all roads lead to London and he used mm-hmm. that to, to parallel how. Any point that you're at in scripture, you're always able to find a place to get to Christ. And that that should be really the heartbeat, the goal of the preacher is to take wherever you are and point yep. your congregation to Jesus Christ. And uh, Brian, take us away on that as we think about uh, the, that essential component for, for theology, uh,
0: Christ alone. It is really all about Christ. Again, pointing back to John chapter 1, verse 18, that, Jesus is the one who reveals the triune God and his plan of salvation. And if you really are looking at Scripture properly, um, even in the Old Testament, you will see Jesus all over the Old Testament. And um, uh, we are currently at Hope Lutheran Church, where I serve, going through the seven primary I am statements of the Gospel of John. We are in uh, John chapter 8. I am the light of the world, and I love the other secondary i am statement at the end of that chapter before abraham saw my day and before abraham was i am and so just the the beauty of jesus being the central um, focus of all of scripture. Um, but when we do that, we want to do that from a Trinitarian perspective. And I think that sometimes we get kind of lost in that. So I, that's kind of my wheelhouse a little bit. But, <laughs> and so as we talk about it, we talk about Jesus as being our Lord and Savior, as sent by the Father and poured out in the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we do this, we do this serving a triune God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always understanding that these three are one and that we serve a triune God. Uh, that is revealed through the person and mission of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Um, The other thing it comes back to, and this is the part of Christianity that some people would say is intolerant, that as you said, all roads lead to London, not all roads lead to Jesus (laughs) or all roads lead to salvation. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, no one gets to the Father except through Christ. And this is where we take that hard stand. This is where I stand. And that word in the Greek means, that that's what it means, that no one comes to the Father except through Christ. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And so if that's the case, then Christ must be the central figure, the central importance, the central uh, culmination of all that we preach Because it is all about Christ giving him glory and the beautiful gift of salvation that we have been gifted with uh, through his life, death, and resurrection. A gift that is available to any and all who place their trust in Christ.
1: Mm. Brett, what happens when that's not taking place in the church?
0: <laughs> when uh, Christ
1: alone isn't being preached? It's yeah. all about <laughs> yeah. me. Exactly, yes. Oh, we
2: need more of that. More <laughs> More of that. No, uh, you know, I think as a preacher, um, I, I'm trying to tell myself, and, and as I'm preparing sermons, as I'm feeding my congregation God's word, even if I'm preaching a text that doesn't necessarily mention the name of Christ, I'm always thinking, how can I uh, take it to Christ? There's always there's there's ways to get to Christ, um, no matter what text you're preaching. And so, uh, Brian, you're right. You know, it it does turn into uh, all about us uh, and maybe self improvement or or that sort of thing. Uh, maybe people think Christianity is all about. Um, what we're doing to improve the world, and uh, we lose our sight on, on what Christ is doing in us and through us.
1: Yeah. Jason, this is a little bit more in your wheelhouse. So when we think about all theology as Christology, and yet we think about maybe different things that the Christian does, sanctification, vocation, maybe there would be some listening who think, well, how does that have anything to do with Christology? How does my my sanctification uh, necessarily (laughs) relate with a Christological uh, sphere of uh, emphasis? So take us away on that one, Jason.
3: Yeah, well, you know, if we go back to that statement by Spurgeon, all roads lead to London, first of all, I've always thought that it's an amazing statement from a guy who lived on an island. You know? <laughs> the, the, but anyway, um, I just had to get that out of there. That joke would not get out of my head until I got it out of there. So um, you know, we are constantly thinking about what we are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, even he, I kind of cringed a little bit, Nathan, when you said that the things a Christian does, like vocation and sanctification, a little bit, kind of ground my teeth a little bit. And in the problem with this is that the church has one thing that you can't get anywhere else. Hmm. And that's the gospel. And so if we are devolving into primarily, right uh, good advice, to, uh, you know, self-improvement. Yeah. Uh, it is true that scripture, uh, lays out wisdom for us. Wisdom is definitely a, a biblical concept. We have books of the Bible devoted to wisdom, but guess what? You can get good advice anywhere. Yeah, You know, and I, I probably can get just as good of financial advice from a, a person without the Christian faith as I can from a Christian stockbroker, uh, if he understands his trade well. Um, mm. uh, but the the fact of the matter is is that when we go off base we're competing in in areas of the world that there's too much competition. Hmm. But the church has something the world doesn't have and that's the gospel. Yeah. It has the good right. news.
0: I think another thing that happens when we remove Christ as a central portion of our preaching is that we become consumeristic. Where we come we we've come, become like this country club mentality. It's like, okay, I come and play my dues. You're the paid professional. You're here to serve me. And we become part of this country club that we're just kind of paying our dues in. And it's actually kind of like penance, you know? It's yeah. really not that much different from that. Uh, but when when we take Christ seriously and the gospel mm-hmm. seriously, it is truly falling in love on a daily and weekly basis with the great God who saved us, yeah. with the great second person of the Trinity who emptied himself and lived that perfect life that we could not, paid for the totality of the cross of, this, of our sins on the cross of Calvary, And rose from the dead and kept his word, and God keeps his promise. And and I think if you carry that forward, then kind
3: of try to get back to your question, because I I hijacked it just a little bit there. (laughs) Uh, Is this all theology is Christology? Is what we have in the church right now is a fundamental misunderstanding of what doctrine is? And it goes back to a fundamental misunderstanding of what Scripture is. Like we said, for, for most people, Scripture is just this information dump. And so there are parts of that information we don't care about. You know, and, and that's what they think doctrine is. And, and on top of that, you have very famous people saying things like doctrine divides. And, and, you know, for most people, when you hear the word doctrine, their blood pressure lowers a little bit. They start to <laughs> yawn. The eyes roll back in their head. Or uh, it goes up. Or, or it goes <laughs> up. But, but you end up with, with people thinking that it's either an entirely academic exercise, like you were saying, Brian, or yeah. uh, that you end up with these ridiculous questions that have no right answer, like how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Or can God create a rock so big that not even he can? lift it that's not doctrine mm-hmm. doctrine is the truth of god from scripture mm-hmm. period and, and and we've systematized it we've categorized it so that's easier to understand but that means if all scripture points to jesus Therefore, all doctrine must also point to Jesus or at least flow from Jesus because all we're talking about is scriptural topics. Mm -hmm. And so, if my understanding of sanctification has nothing to do with Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. If my understanding of what the church is, is what I must be doing in the world in the name of the church and not what Christ is doing for me in the church, we're doing it wrong. If my understanding of eschatology takes my focus away from the cross yes. so that I'm panicking mm-hmm. about current events in the yep. world, Amen. we're doing it wrong because eschatology is all about Jesus Christ. It's not about mm-hmm. me and it's not about world events. Mm-hmm. Now he's preaching. Preach, yeah. like, come on.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, that's such a great point, Jason. That's where I was hoping you were going to take it, is, uh uh, all of those different theological topics, they, they, need to be rooted in Christ. Yeah. When they're not rooted in Christ, then they end up getting rooted in ourselves. Yeah. We we see self-deification in our culture where where the emphasis and focus is my self-improvement, my role on behalf of the church, not being an ambassador of Christ, just representing, you know, maybe the church that I'm attending or, or a small life group that I'm a part of. And really we get lost uh, theologically when our focus goes to other things besides Christ.
3: Well, and you know just just for instance, let's let's put some some practical spin on this. What happens if you do the church without Christ? Uh, if, you, if you if you kidnap that, what you end up happening is you have mega churches that are run like businesses and not run like churches. You have celebrity pastors that people worship and adore rather than servants of God that are delivering God's word and bringing his gifts. And you end up with an organization that has nothing to do with delivering the good gifts of God and has everything to do with producing whatever kind of productive citizen we want to, to stoke the ego of the pastor or, or to accomplish whatever the unbiblical
0: mission we've decided it is for that specific church. And that's what I kind of meant by consumerist. Yeah, exactly. It really is. It's just Mm -hmm. we become these consumers, and we make it really kind of about ourselves again. Just I know you were kind of teasing about that, but that's exactly what it becomes. If we really take Christ's word in John chapter 15 seriously, that apart from Christ we can do nothing, then even our sanctification is rooted and grounded in the righteousness of Christ at work within us. And if if we don't acknowledge that then it does become about ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we should not be surprised that as people who are fundamentally addicted to ourselves,
3: we, we should take something that God has given as a gift to us and make it about us instead. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, <laughs> it's what we've done with doctrine. It's what we've done with the church. It's what we've done with all theology is what is God telling me about me?
1: Mm. You've been listening right now to pastors Brian, Ricky, Jason Goodham, and Brett Bow from the Being Lutheran podcast from beinglutheran.com. We're going to take a break right now, but stick around and as we go into our final segment here about uh, vocation and the spirituality in the ordinary, stick around and come join us soon. Good afternoon. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Nathan Olson, host of the 830 Sunday morning broadcast, God's Word for Today, the Radio Ministry of Living Work Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. Joining me today are the hosts from the Being Lutheran Podcast, from beinglutheran.com, Pastors Brian Rickey, Jason Goodham, and Brett Bowe. It's good to have you guys with us today. And we've been walking through now the five solos of the Reformation. We're coming to our last one. Glory to God alone. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Gooden, when you hear that and you think about uh, what that translates into the life of the believers today and the intent of the reformers, what comes to your mind? Vocation.
3: Vocation. There <laughs> vocation. Uh, vocation has been a personal pet topic of mine now for at least ten no!
1: years. <laughs> break, 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 break it yeah. down for us a little bit. Maybe you're, you're maybe you're a listener today and you don't know about it. I think of their so job us, or yeah. Yeah, tell us about it, Jason. So vocation are your callings in
3: life, your your stations in life, and really the purpose of vocation is for you to identify your neighbor. Uh, God has a will for your life his primary will for your life is salvation and and the will for your life because you are saved is that you would go out and love your neighbor it's the fulfillment of the law love God love others and so for you to know who your neighbor is God has given you vocations so that you can identify who your neighbor is and in there we're going to even incorporate something else called the three estates which help us to identify where we find our neighbors so the the first estate is the state of the family Mm -hmm. and if you have a spouse uh that person is your neighbor. If you have parents, they're your neighbor. You had children, they're your neighbor and all other family members. And there are different ways to love your neighbor in family. So my first neighbor is my wife? Your first neighbor is your wife. Yes. Uh, your pr- in the family. Your primary neighbor is your wife, if you're married. Yeah, if you're married. Mm-hmm. But but we're gonna we're gonna get to that. It's really interesting. Something I've been chewing on lately. The second estate is the estate of the church. Uh, and so, as a church member, you have a pastor. He's your neighbor. Uh, you have fellow uh, parishioners. They're your neighbor. If you're on committee, they're your neighbor. Uh, if you have a, a job in the church as an usher, a teacher, uh, the people who are directly impacted by that are your neighbors. And even the person uh, that you evangelize uh, will be your neighbor in the church because if you're not loving your neighbor and still trying to evangelize, you're not doing a really good job of evangelism. And then finally, in society, where literally almost anything comes into play. Mm-hmm. So your your actual next door neighbor is your neighbor in your place of employment, your boss, your coworkers, and your customer, uh, your fellow citizens in the country you're at. So yeah. you're, you're doing a vocation as you vote and so on and so forth. Now, what's so interesting about vocation is that love is different for each vocation. So that if you love your neighbor like you love your spouse, you've committed adultery. <laughs> and if you love your child, like your surgeon loves you, you're probably a murderer because <laughs> if you take your pancreas out of your child, you're gonna be doing a great disservice to your child. Yeah, right. And so yeah, vocation also give us boundaries on how to love and it defines the relationship. And in fact, if you love your taxi driver, uh, like you love your pastor, you might end up a heretic if he's a different religion, right? And so uh, you have different responsibilities towards every neighbor, based based on God's law, but based on those relationships. And and, and for me, vocation is such a better way of talking about the the Christian idea of sanctification than actually talking about sanctification because uh, for hundreds of years in the Christian church, we've completely dropped Hmm. the ball on sanctification. And for most people, uh, they can rightly define sanctification as being more holy or being made more like God, but the functional definition most people have with uh, sanctification is getting better at not sinning. (laughs) And and that's not what sanctification is, uh, because we've entered the realm of works righteousness then. We we, we go on this inclined plane that we're walking on toward heaven, and, and the problem is the more holy we think we're getting, the less we think we need Jesus. And so the, the Lutheran understanding of the term, and, and this is a primary application in my own story of faith, is that you read that sanctification is returning to the cross where we receive forgiveness of sins. And, and so that you are sanctified, you are made uh, more like God not as you get better at doing his law, but as
0: you repent for not doing it. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that, because I didn't grow up Lutheran, and so I'm a mm-hmm. Lutheran pastor by conviction. Yeah. And the thing that really attracted me to Lutheranism is that the, the further you grow in your sanctification, the more dependent upon Christ you become. Yep. Because it was opposite in a way of what you were just saying. You become this blind beggar at the foot of the cross, totally dependent upon the bread of life to sustain you, uh, through this wilderness wandering that Mm -hmm. we're in, you know, and Jesus becomes that vine and we abide in him and we literally become so dependent upon Christ. And that's a really good place to be because in that weakness, that's when God is glorified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
3: in vocation then becomes the last assault of the doctrine of God's word against self-righteousness. It's the, the, the last thing that takes us out of ourselves, because what ends up happening is that you have everything you need for life and salvation. Mm-hmm. God has given it to you in the cross because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in your place. Uh, you do good works now. You you love your neighbor, not because God needs them. Right. That's, uh, that's not, Luther's quote. Yeah. Uh, not mm-hmm. because you need them, but because there's literally nothing else for you to do. hmm Everything else is taken care of in Christ. God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Your neighbor needs your good works because that's how God is providing for your neighbor. And the exercise we did in the class on this is to talk about how you get your literal daily bread. How does the loaf of bread that you buy from the grocery store get to your bread? And in what my class came before I I finally made them stop is we came up with 53 different steps it takes to go from farm to table. Uh, and, And those are vocations. Those are ways that people have been placed by god in this world to provide for you Mm -hmm. and then what you need to do is flip that around and understand that everywhere god has placed you he's doing
2: that exact same thing through you for others whether you know it or not so jason uh, how does that why do you think a vocation when we're talking about god's glory how did what what is the connection there in your mind colossians 3 Okay,
3: <laughs> that's the, the, the Colossians three is the chapter of vocation. Do all things to the glory of God. Okay, there you we go. Don't need it, but you're giving glory back to God. You're, you're being nice. Uh, Your being good, whatever phrase you want to put at, is done because God has done everything for you. You are enabled, your freedom in how you plan your day goes back to God simply
0: providing for you and caring for you. I think another way of explaining that, too, is as the church is pictured as the bride of Christ, it is us giving ourselves all of who we are. That living sacrifice picture that Paul paints in, in Romans 12, all of who we are, we are giving it to the bridegroom. And so not just the corners of the heart that were comfortable, not with just this part of my life or that part of my life and living out our faith as a compartmentalized aspect, but living it as a holistic thing where I am literally giving all of who I am to my bridegroom. As an act of worship. And whether that's pumping gas, whether it's being a clerk someplace or a waitress someplace or whatever that is, wherever that falls for your career, or whether you're a single person, whether you're um, married or, or whatever, all of those aspects of all of your life give glory to Christ mm-hmm. as you continue to live and abide in his righteousness and his
3: completed work. Mm-hmm. And, and as maybe we would say an unintended consequence, but we can't say anything with God as an unintended consequence, the doctrine of vocation also adds dignity to human life. Mm-hmm. It, it really explains a, a way and gets rid of this notion that there are only certain things that are worth doing. And, and I mean, uh, Brett, you and I went through school in the 80s and the 90s <laughs> uh, when college was being hyped at its most, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's the, the simple things in life, the jobs that don't require a college degree are still serving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, and so you look at one of the most valuable vocations as far as the, the third estate society is a truck driver. And you don't need a four-year degree to be a truck driver, but you know, what percentage of the goods that we receive that we buy in the stores do we get because people are bringing freight back and forth? It's a valuable thing, and there is dignity to that thing that has so often been looked down on or you know, any blue-collar work. Um, that there, there's dignity to a welder and a plumber. And in fact, you know, for people who own houses, you'll find out just how much dignity there is when you can't do something to fix your own house and have to hire (laughs) someone to do it. Uh, but you know, there's dignity, uh, in fast food work because (laughs) you are providing cheap food quickly to someone who's not able to do that all the time. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, it helps us see our neighbor in a different light because God is using all of our neighbors to provide for us, but then it also helps us to see that we're providing value for all those that God has placed in our lives.
2: And I think if, listener, if you want to learn more about vocation, one of the great resources you can look into is, I know there's not a lot of famous Lutherans out there, but... <laughs> Luther? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the guys, I, I really appreciate his name is Gene V. And you can check out his blog, and I'm not sure his the address for that, but just Google Gene Veith. But he's written a book called God at Work, and that's a great uh, starting point to learn more about some of these things that we've been talking about regarding vocation. And uh, yeah, so I would encourage
1: you to do that. We're going to take a break right now and come back in just a little bit, but we'd like to open up this next portion of the show for callers to call in if you're interested to have any questions for the three pastors from the Being Lutheran podcast. That number for you to call in is 651-289-4499. Again, that's 651-289-4499. Join us for the next segment for some
0: Q&A. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue through these KKMS radio segments. God bless you and have a great week.